You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Mizzou That's Who. Welcome to this week's edition of Mizzou. That's who I'm Tucker Franklin, joined as always by Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson. Got a lot to talk about on this week's edition, and uh, we're going to get right into it. There's no, there's no dance around. There's no sugarcoating. There's a lot to talk about. Um, and I think Gabe, the first question that I want to ask you is, what the hell was that? It was uh, it was not ideal. Um, I mean, it was bad enough when it was 23-10. Cause like to me by that point, yeah, you felt like, okay, Missouri's gonna win, but it took it seemed harder than it needed to be. And even if Missouri would have ended up winning like 30 to 10, which was about what I predicted, you would have kind of felt like, eh. but still it, it just didn't seem great. Well then honestly they spent the last 10 minutes pretty much doing everything they could to lose the game. Um I mean, they just got, I think, fortunate that, you know, they they made one play on fourth down on defense. Um, They got the benefit of a call. I'm not saying it was the wrong call, but they got the benefit of a call that sometimes isn't made on third down. And and they closed it out, and they deserve credit for that. Um, So, like, you never want to crap too much on a win, but... There's a win that you can crap on. I think that one kind of qualifies. That one, that one falls in that category. Maggie, uh, unconventional start to today's podcast. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, how are you feeling after after that game? Um, I think that I'm at the point where if Desiree Reef, Reed Francois schedules Middle Tennessee State ever again, I might lose my mind. Yeah, and. I think that people kind of forget. I was talking to a friend about this, and I think people just forget that this is not like a one-time thing with them. I mean, obviously, I think people remember that we lost to them in 2016, that Odom lost to them in 2016. I think we lost by five or six. Pinkle beat them by one point. One point. And I know he was at the very beginning of his tenure whenever he lost to them, or whenever he beat them by one point. But these games are too close. We No more. I'm done. I'm done playing them. They beat didn't Middle Tennessee last year. They beat a. They beat a pretty. Uh, they, I can't remember Miami. who they were. Miami. They, they, beat Miami. they beat Miami. I didn't know they beat a Power Five team. Like it's not like they have a. They yeah, they also for beating them. They also lost to Louisiana Tech last year, which Missouri ran off the field. So, like, I I mean, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. Uh, there's still ten weeks left. But like I, I I said on Saturday night, the only thing you can judge them on is the evidence they've presented so far, right? And the evidence they've presented so far isn't very promising. Now, that doesn't mean that they are doomed to be awful. It just means that we are sixth of the way through the season, and what they have done so far does not give you reason to believe that they are... Like, you're going on a little... Okay, you're going on a lot of faith right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. Um, I, I know that that this podcast uh, might have a somber tone to it, right? Because, admittedly, after that game, I was I was pretty hot. 
uh, I was I was pretty hot about what I saw. I had to legitimately go outside and touch grass uh, because like I had to go for a walk uh, because I was like, what am I watching? This is incredibly frustrating in year was it year four of the Drinkwitz experience that we're seeing this in in, in year four. Uh, Gabe, I think you wrote a really good column uh, on, on com. You guys should go read it if you haven't already. We can get into the the coaching aspect of it and, and everything like that. And, and maybe that's where we go next. But I, I realize I didn't give very good context starting this podcast. I, I assume if you clicked on this podcast, you know what we're talking about. Um, but as a, as a podcast host myself, I feel like I need to go and clean that up. Obviously, Missouri wins. Uh, they beat Middleton FC 23-19 on a game that kicked off at 6 p.m., which... I don't know. There was always a weird feeling about that game for me. I don't know how you guys felt going into it, but it, I always had a this 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 lingering suspicion of a weird game was about to happen um, around me. But maybe that's just my paranoia always coming through well, when it comes to Missouri football. But uh, anyhow, that's what happens. Uh, Brady Cook, 14-19, 204 yards and two touchdowns. Luther Burden had a career day uh, in terms of uh, receiving yardage, eight receptions, 117 yards. Luther Burden still looked like him. That's a positive sign. Uh, obviously, it looks like he uh, is, is good. Shocking analysis here from me. Uh, Luther Burden is good, uh, but there were a lot of other things that overshadowed the good things uh, in this podcast game. And I do want to start to talk about the coaching decisions, um, the, the 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 lack of aggressiveness. The I think you put a put a really good put it a really good way of the the guy who was coaching this Missouri team against LSU in that COVID year, not the same guy coaching this team now. Yeah, and you know, uh, I was joking on the first series. I mean, I called the the first play. I said, I promise they're handing yeah. the ball off to Cody Schrader. And they handed the ball off to Cody Schrader. Then they handed the ball off to Cody Schrader again. And I know this comes off as like. I'm against Cody Schrader, and that's that's not it. But Cody Schrader has 44 touches on this season. The next closest player is Luther Burden with 16. I, I, I mean, you, just uh, I don't, I don't repeat that dramatic effect. We we repeat that again. I just I did I need you to repeat that. Yeah, Cody Schrader, 44 touches. Luther Burden, see, oh, I, I lied. I'm sorry. Nate Pete is second in touches. He has 25, and then Luther has 16. Um, you know, I think, and the point of my column was that I don't think that Eli starts games or starts seasons wanting to go into this turtle shell and be crazy conservative. But I think something happens once there's any side of adversity or once things get a little tight where that's what he does. I mean, Bill Connolly from ESPN tweeted out earlier today, Missouri has punted on fourth and three or less five times this season, somewhere between their own 40 and the opponent's 40. The, the, they have not attempted a fourth down yet this year. Um, I just, he gets incredibly conservative and, on one hand, you can defend it. His defense is, like, if you're going to trust one side of this team, the defense is what you trust. Like, up 23-10, punting from the 44-yard line or whatever it was, that's probably not going to lose you the game. But neither is going for it and not getting right. it all likely. I mean, I mean, what to me says I trust my defense is, yeah, I'll just go for it on the 44. Mm -hmm. Not, 
I, not I trust you, so I need 28 more yards that they have to go. That actually tells me I don't really trust you. Yep. Does this, like, not being aggressive? Because we saw this last year, and then, you know, he kind of turned it over a little bit, and we saw Bush Hampton, you know, kind of calling more plays. And now we're kind of going back to a little bit more of the same stuff I feel like we saw a little bit earlier in the season. What is Kirby Moore doing? Is Kirby well, Moore doing anything? I mean, I I'm getting a lot of... I'm on camera, but I don't know. Right. I'm getting a lot of people that are asking who's calling plays. Look, I assume Kirby Moore is. I mean, yeah. I guess I could go to a press conference and say who's calling the plays, but like... He's the offensive coordinator. Drinkwood's told us he was going to call him. I assume he's calling them. I, I guess it's a story if he's not. I think so, too. I, in the SEC Network, I think even in their broadcast, mentioned Kirby uh, was calling plays because they said that Drinkwood doesn't have a pit in his stomach now uh, when he goes to games. Uh, which, like, by the way, for your, <laughs> for your guy who wants to call plays. To he he, he did with about four minutes left on uh, Saturday night, I bet. I know a lot. Of, I know about 55,000 people there did. Not a pit in my stomach every time I watch movie play. Yeah, I am <laughs> I yeah, so wildly uh, infuriating when you have Eli Drinkwitz in 2022 step up to the podium at SEC Media Day saying that he wants to cut it loose and be aggressive and and uh, be be so aggressive that uh, you know, they're not going to wreck. They're going to be so different, and that is yet to happen. Since he did that the, last year, they weren't aggressive. This year, they're not aggressive. I. I, I thought I was taking crazy pills, Gabe. Uh, maybe you can talk me down, but I thought I was talking cra like taking crazy pills when Eli Drink was said it was the right choice every time to go to do that. I, I understand trusting the defense. I get that, but I I I really want to reiterate what you said of like trusting your defense. You have more trust in your defense if you don't get it there. Like I think that you know maybe his defense was tired. I don't know. Uh, I'm not on the sideline there. I don't know the vibe of the defense. But I feel like you can trust your defense a whole lot more if you don't get the single yard against a Conference USA team. Let me repeat that. A single yard against a Conference USA team. And, and, and to be fair, there is reason, given his offense, to not think he was going to get that single yard. But, look, I, I said at the time I would have gone for it. I asked. I didn't even ask him the question. Somebody else asked him the question. And when he said what he said, like, hey, I respect him answering it. That's his call. I don't agree with it. Or, right. and, and, you know, we're all welcome to not agree with it. Um, I think that, and this has changed some in football in the last 10, like 10 years ago, everybody punts that. Or like 95% of people punt it. Sure. It's changed a lot with the availability of analytics and things like that. Um, but I just think in the end, this comes down to a personality. Right. I mean, I've I've watched I, I watched a game on Thursday night where one coach clearly just said F it, threw everything to the wind and ran a fake punt from his own eighteen yard. Now that's he knows that's probably not the smart play, right? But he also knows actually I might have just as good a chance to get two yards here as I do stopping Patrick Mahomes from his forty yard line. So maybe it's not that stupid and maybe it sends a message to my team. And then I watched another coach in the same game who is a very good coach and understands a whole lot of things about football, but does not seem to understand that his best chance to get a yard or to win games is to put the ball in the player of that actual best hand or best in the hands of the best player on the planet. Right. So 
Co- I, I think this is one area where it just becomes a personality thing. And a lot of coaches, I've said this forever, you got fourth and goal with the one. Most coaches are running the football. And the reason, even if they wouldn't say it out loud, the reason they're doing it is when they go into the press room afterwards, if it didn't work, it's very easy to say, hey, if we can't get a yard, we don't deserve to win. It's a lot easier to explain that than, why were you in shotgun and rolled out and threw a pass when you only need three yards? Because then you become Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl, right? Then the, the, and, and I understand this is a lot of this is hindsight, which is why I want to be clear. It wasn't hindsight for me, and it wasn't hindsight for the people in the stands. They wanted him to go for it then. And is that why the game changed and Middle Tennessee then scored nine points? Probably not, but you know what? If you get that yard, worst case scenario, you're taking another two and a half minutes off the clock. Worst case. Okay, you don't gain another yard? Cool, you can punt three plays later, and then they have seven and a half minutes to beat you. You mm-hmm. know, so, uh, but there were a lot of other problems too. It was, yeah. He made the decision, and then they did everything wrong for the next nine minutes on both sides of the football. Yeah, yeah, because they marched down the they marched down the field regardless. I mean, you took Middle Tennessee four plays to get back to the point where Missouri punted. Right. Yeah, that um, I I do think that Gabe. That's a good point you bring up. Is that like everything after that seemed like it was just a domino of like I know that it's not causation right causation correlation two different things uh but him going forward it just seemed like everything that he was kind of like banking on happening right like okay I'll punt it my defense will get a stop we'll get the ball back good field position because we're going to flip the field and then we'll be able to to drive maybe kick a field goal get some more points on the board that did not happen like that everything that he was kind of planning on and hoping to happen did not happen now now granted the defense I thought did play well uh, but like you could, there's stress. You, you're putting unnecessary stress on that defense, and at that and, point, and I think, it's too much. I think being able to close a game out is a skill, sure. right? Like it's it's not anything you can quantify, but Missouri doesn't do it very well, right? They didn't do it at Auburn. Um, you know, that frankly, they beat Vandy last year, but they didn't do it very well against Vandy. Couldn't do it against Georgia. Didn't really do it very well against Arkansas. So. It becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you're good at it, then you believe you're going to do it and you do it more. And if you're not good at it, every time you fail to do it, it adds a little more scar tissue. So, like, Missouri isn't letting Middle Tennessee drive 83 yards very often, but they did there. And then, like, in most cases, okay, you leave a, a... uh, linebacker completely unblocked. Okay, cool. He sacks Brady Cook. But how often is it Brady Cook rolls away from him and the guy chases him down anyway and then he fumbles the ball and then it bounces out of the end zone for two. I mean, it's like all these things add up and part of you goes, well, that's bad luck. But then part of you also goes, when you continually have bad luck, like there's something about you that, and I'm not saying, I don't know whether it's nerves or coach. I don't know what it is. But I'm just throwing it out there. It's, this is more than just a, like kind of coincidental. Yeah, a safety from the 16-yard line is it's tough. <laughs> that's a bad beat. I mean, that's a bad. At beat. least, it, at least it wasn't a touchdown. I mean, it was a touchdown. The way the game is going, if the ball bounces the other way, it's a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and we lose. 
and you're down 24, 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trusting that offense Ooh. that really anemic might be dramatic. Um, but a, an offense that wasn't really uh, moving the ball a whole lot to go get down to field goal range to trust a kicker who hasn't had the best start of the season uh, to, to kick a field goal for you. Um, not a spot that you really wanted to be in. But the way, as, as I mentioned, you know, Gabe, great point you bring that up, the ball did bounce out of bounds, luckily, fortunately. That's probably the only fortunate thing that happened for Missouri um, in the last nine minutes of game time. And the pass uh, interference. That's true. The, the defensive pass interference call. Those are the two, I mean... I mean, my favorite part about the defensive pass interference call, and look, I don't know, I haven't watched a replay, but after the game... Somebody asked Theo Weiss, like, what happened on that play? He goes, like, I don't know. I was looking for the ball. I mean, if somebody interferes with you, you're aware of it, aren't you? I mean, it looks I mean, like once I saw the so. grabs you. So. I, once I watched the replay, it didn't look like it was pass interference when the ball was close to him, but it was pass interference after five yards. Right. And, and then that's, fair. that's where it's, you know. To be fair, they're only in that situation because pass interference was called against Luther Burden, which I don't know. I didn't see it, but most people seem to think that wasn't much of a call. I could see it. I could see the interpretation of the of the official having it, but I think that it was a little, it was a weaker call. But I could definitely, I saw it and I was like, yeah, I can see that, but I would, don't know if you necessarily want to call it there. Uh, makeup call might be a little bit uh, too the much. The point is, though. Yeah, but yeah. The point is, you should not be in a position against Middle Tennessee State where a mm-hmm. call determines the game. You just should. In the fourth it, year of a coach that has recruited well, and, and I, I don't know. That's that's what that's what uh, is so frustrating to me. Is like this is year four. I don't think this should be happening in year four. Yeah, well, and I was struck by and and look, it could be a one off. Like people, the the sure. the optimists among us are saying. Do you remember when Missouri needed a miracle to beat San Diego State and then went on to win 10 games? Or do you remember when Missouri lost to Indiana? Now, I would argue Indiana is still not Middle Tennessee, but you get the point, right? So it can happen, right? Like one-offs happen. And it truly, if they go out and beat Kansas State this weekend, then all this goes away. I mean, yeah, if they beat Kansas State, they beat Memphis, they beat Vandy, and they're 5-0 when LSU's coming here, then... Everything we're all saying right now looks like, well, why couldn't you have just waited three weeks? But that's not, I mean, again, all you can do is judge the evidence presented so far. It has been poor. And what was most telling to me, guys, I don't, I don't know if you watched the post-game press conference, if, if watched Eli's video at all, but mm-hmm. that didn't seem like a coach who disagreed with a lot of the things we're saying right now. Like, for one, he wasn't real happy and he's seen... He seemed down was the yeah. best way I could describe it. I want to get into the to the post game. Sorry to interrupt, but I want to get into the post game a little bit. But we got to take a break first, and I've got to tell you about our folks at HomeFieldApparel.com. If you're heading out to Faroe Field to watch the uh, the Tigers take on the Wildcats, make sure you're decked out in Home Field Apparel. Go to HomeFieldApparel.com. Check out their great Mizzou selection of shirts. They've got all kinds of stuff out there, from baseball to basketball to football. Big football collection as well, and some general Mizzou stuff as well. So, homefieldapparel.com, 15% off your first order with code KCSN23. We're going to go talk about that post game press conference coming up right after. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Maggie, I want to get your thoughts on the post-game press conference. Um, give it to me. I, I want to know what you think. Totally agree with Gabe. I felt like he was down. Um, I mean, I try. I think he did his best to kind of... I mean, he, he talked up Luther. I mean, I think who couldn't, you know, still said he played well. He still said Brady played well based on paper, which, you know, he did based on paper play well. I... It's so hard because he, I th- we kind of talked about this a little bit before the show. It's like you still kind of want to support support the guy and and say things, but you still want the best player playing. Do we know who the best players are? I don't know. You want to trust the guys that are in charge. Do do I trust Drink? I want to. I don't know. Like it's interesting how many people seem to have arrived at that same place in the last 48 hours. I, I mean, it's just observational, right? Like, because, I, 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 I mean, you guys just know me well enough by now, and it's not emotional for me. It, it's, right. I try to tell you what's happening, and I'll give you my opinion about what I think about it. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not very good, right? Like, I am accused of being Dennis Gates' agent and hating Eli Drinkwitz at the same time. It's neither one. You know, it's neither one. It's just what I see. So, but there there are a lot of people out there who, I mean, there are people who believed until the day he was fired that Kim Anderson was going to turn it around in Missouri, right? Like you wear a Missouri shirt, I'm going to believe in, to, in you until you do not wear a Missouri shirt. A lot of people that have been pretty close to that, like if, They've gotten a lot closer to the middle in the last 48 hours. The approval rating, I would say, is as low as it's ever been right now. I think so, too. And, and for me, personally, I, I want to see Trickwoods do well, right? Like, I want to see and succeed at, at Missouri, but I think that there's... I think I, I think what I struggle with, too, is he's he's seemingly recruited very well when it comes to the rankings, right? Recruiting rankings have, have been very positive, but the recruiting rankings don't matter once they hit campus. Recruiting rankings don't matter once they start playing the games on Saturday. I don't know, I, I and I'm much in the same boat as Maggie. Is just like I don't know anymore. Like yeah. the jury is the jury is out uh, still on Eli Drinkwitz uh, when it when it comes out, and that's probably not a great thing in year four. Um, probably not recruiting. I think the recruiting rankings, like they usually matter, right? Which is sure. what makes it more baffling in the cases that they don't, but they don't always matter. Bill Callahan recruited well at Nebraska, and he couldn't win. 
Um, you know, Butch Jones and Jeremy Pruitt recruited well at Tennessee, but they didn't didn't win. Now, Butch did actually win nine games and still got fired, but that's more on Tennessee than anything else. But you know, the, my point is there are times, right? Like. If, if you just asked people who's a better recruiter, Eli Drinkwitz or Gary Pinkle, well, they would say Eli Drinkwitz. And like, I've watched their teams play. That's kind of nonsensical, guys. I, but I mean, so we are slaves to these rankings. And, and again, they usually are pretty accurate. It's very, very difficult to win if you're high level stuff if you're not recruiting top 10, 15 classes. But there are sometimes exceptions, and what Missouri fans have to hope right now is that he's not one of the exceptions in the bad way. I think also, and I hate I hate to say this because I know we're going to have a lot of listeners that don't typically listen to our podcast listen to our <laughs> podcast this week. But, and especially because I also know that right now K State is playing great football. We all know that, like. They won the Big 12 last year. We're, we all watch football, a lot of football. We're very well aware that K-State is playing great football right now. Um, but also, we're also well aware that the Big 12 is not the typical type of competition that Missouri plays. Oh, and no. I, I, oh I mean, no. Here we I go. Know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But we do see, we do see that tip. I mean... Yes, okay, we get to play Vandy. I get it. We do. Um, there's other teams that we get to play that are probably not as good as Oklahoma has been in the past. Georgia has been as good as they have been in the past. I mean, but on a grand scale, I don't I don't know if Gary Pinkle played, I think he did better in the Big 12 because I don't think the competition was as good in the Big 12 when we were in the Big 12 as it the SEC as what drink is playing in the in the SEC if that makes sense uh here would be my here would here would be my well here would be my counter to that okay middle Tennessee state plays in conference USA no super fair right now (laughs) totally completely agree completely agree I'm just saying based on what he's in the past three, four years of not being great. Yeah. It's not a shot at K State at all. They're playing great football. They're a great team. Not saying that. But uh, the the concerning part to me, and the and I put some of this on our site today, and most people um found it eye opening and a few people think I hate the football coach, so we're fine with that. But is that the twenty twenty one class was signed three years ago. Like, that's long enough to be on the field. It included, I believe it's 23 players. Um, 16 of them are no longer on campus. Um, Two of them are starters, and two are in the rotation. So that's four out of 23. Now, look, Makai Wingo left, Dominic Lovett left. If they're still here, yes it looks a little bit different. But that's still only four starters out of 23. Like, and you blame rivals if you want. Now, I always say, well, if the coaches miss half the time, I don't know why we would miss half the time. Like, they should be better at their jobs than we are. That's kind of the point. But blame whoever you want for it. But bottom line is, 
that's no longer the number 19 recruiting class in America. Like that, that doesn't count anymore as, as that, you know, um, the 2022 class, it's too early to determine it. Um, cause like some of those guys, hey, they're only in their second year, but you would like to see some of them getting on the field. And this goes back to the conservative nature. He just doesn't play young guys. He yeah. doesn't play them. He brings them in and we hype them up. And I mean, like, uh, you know, Darius Jackson, cornerback. He started a couple games. Actually looked pretty good as a freshman. Went out and got transferred. And so you blocked that kid and he leaves. You know, um, Marcus Scott, true freshman, four-star. You know, I don't know if he was any good or not. He was hurt his first year. Went out, got Drayden Norwood, got Marcus Clark. Marcus Scott looks at him and goes, well, I don't know. They're bringing in guys that are older than me in my position. I'm out. And it's... He just, he's hesitant to put these guys on the field. And the comparison I made was when you were 22 years old, every job you wanted to apply for said, you know, needs two years of experience. Well, you don't have two years of experience. You're 22 years old. You just graduated from college. So how do you get two years of experience? Like if everybody that's hiring needs two years of experience, how do you ever get to two years of experience if they won't hire you because you have zero years of it's a great uh, comparison there, and that's that's really it's something that I'd never didn't really think about. It, and I think that does go back to the aggressiveness, as you mentioned, of like bringing in guys that are highly touted, but then not being aggressive when it comes to play. what does Missouri have to lose by playing these guys? Nothing. I think they only gain they only gain experience. They only they only get better by playing the young guys they bring in that are highly touted recruits, guys who within the state want to see that want to see that they want to see them play for the university that's that's something that I, I mean when you look at look at the team we talk about Eli Drinkwitz's recruiting and everything like that you want to see those guys pan out and a lot of the times I think you bring up a good point with the 2021 class only having four starters out of there is wildly tough he has tried to hit the transfer portal a little bit harder in years past since the transfer portal really became relevant um essentially as, as soon as it came up but uh one of those guys too is, is you mentioned Cody Schrader and and I found this really interesting after the game, Gabe, when you when you guys put up the uh, the snap counts and just the glaring difference between Nate Pete and uh, Cody Schrader. And like you wrote, you wrote here, Pete had nine offensive touches for a hundred yards, and it was on eleven total snaps, and didn't have a carry after half. Can, yeah, can I was surprised. Did you guys realize that? Because I didn't realize nope. that during. I didn't realize that either. I didn't realize that. I know. And um. It, it, but I did realize Tavoris Jones hadn't gotten on the field. Jamal Roberts hadn't gotten on the field. And if they're not getting on the field in those games, when are they getting on the field? And the problem now with the free transfer is if Tavoris Jones doesn't play this year, why would he come back? Right. He's not coming back. Now, look, maybe maybe they go good. We don't want him back. He's not any good. Maybe that's the case. Like, it, it's, you're, you're making the argument kind of both ways here right i'm saying like you got to give other guys a chance but also like you got to play your best players and win but I, i'm not saying to force jones needs 60 snaps but i'd like to see him get six I, i've got a hard time believing that's going to beat you you know you you have to Conzo martin fell into this trap in basketball he brought in freshman and he's only gonna play freshman it, it, it just 
you got to earn your stripes and you got to be here for a while and all that. And so, okay, Trey Jackson's gone, man, because he didn't get to play. And it is did Trey Jackson turn into an All-American? No, but like maybe it could have been good. We don't like the point is if you don't play him, then it, it's really hard to to keep signing. Yeah, and that makes sense uh, when you when you talk about that and to kind of bring this back to the press conference and almost the uh, defeated nature of it, which, as you mentioned, Gabe, is kind of odd when it comes to Eli Drinkwitz. And I think you made a really good point in your column as well of saying, like, you really never know what you're going to get from an Eli Drinkwitz press conference, whether it's putting on a Darth Vader mask and uh, doing a lightsaber or or he's going to make a make a soundbite or go off on a step up on a soapbox and talk, talk about conferentry alignment. You really never know. And it, I was kind of with you when I was reading it. You expect him to come up there and defend his team being like, yep, well, you know, good good thing we won. We stuck this out. We won this game. Wasn't really like that. And I think that at that point, uh, everyone else was kind of like, oh, wait, um, hang on. He, he didn't make fun of Middle Tennessee after the game? Like, what, is he, 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 he's actually worried? Uh, everyone started kind of looking around at each other. And I think that that's kind of a, a red flag going into a game that is has been, <laughs> we joke about this a lot. Okay? I mean, we jo- we joke about a lot. But like every game seems to be billed as the biggiggest one of Eli Drinkwitz's tenure. Uh, the next game's always the biggest one. Uh, this one against Kansas State is pretty darn big. Um, I our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook have the uh, Kansas State Fighting Wildcats of Manhattan, Kansas, favored by five points in this game. Um, Do then because it opened it opened at like three. It did, and I think at one point I saw it down to one, um, and I think it got back up, obviously now at five. I've seen it up at low. five and a half as well um, low. for this game, uh, but I'm going to take this this opportunity was I brought up DraftKings to talk about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook as football is back and is in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? That is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this week, as all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gotta read the disclaimer, so I gotta take a deep breath here. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available online for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdictions. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Okay. I got through it. That reminds me, I got to go use a bonus bet. True. Better do it seven days yeah. after assurance. No, I don't think I only have like three days left. Let's talk about this Kansas State-Missouri matchup because I think the vibe going into it from uh, Missouri fans that I have gotten recently is not as strong as a vibe going into it maybe a week ago. Um, Gabe, as you mentioned, you only have your, your most recent game to go back on. Vegas thinks this game's going to be close. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? 
I think it'll be closer than a lot of people think, right? Like the the cycle of a fan whose team didn't play as well as they want is, I would say, till about mid-afternoon Monday, so about when we're recording this. Well, we're never beating anybody again. We suck. This, this is over. Football's stupid, and I don't want to pay attention. Yeah. Like Monday night, Tuesday morning, you're like, all right, I mean, we still suck, but I can see a way, right? Like like it's it's sports. We're going to go ahead and play the game. Probably going to lose, but we got a shot. Wednesday, I don't know, I'm looking at these matchups. They only led Troy like 13 nothing in the second quarter. They left him some holes. They, I think we got a shot. And then by about Thursday night, it's, oh, we're going to kill these dudes. Like they're not even good. I don't know why they're making the trip. And then Saturday night, you're either proven right or you're right back to football stupid and we're never going to play again. Oh. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. but I, like, yeah, it's it's last week's bad. But I think you can, it, I, I don't expect Missouri to be that bad every week. And yeah. look, this is, it is clear what this game means to this program. I mean, Brady Cook kind of addressed it after the game. I talked to people in the program over the summer, and they all knew. They said, man, like we got to win the first. We're not not paying attention to the first two, but those have to be wins. But that one's huge. And they know it. That can go one of two ways, right? It can motivate you, or it maybe could psych you out, and you can go out and play like you did last year. If that happens, boy, I'm glad I'm leaving the country a week after that if that happens. (laughs) I mean, you have to you have to hope that last year's game is fresh in their minds because there's no way that Luther Burden, Nate P, Cody Schrader, any of those guys, anyone on defense wants to go out and get blown out like they did last year. That I mean, we were embarrassed as fans, especially, you know, I was embarrassed as a fan. I was a I went to Mizzou when we were in the Big 12 and we didn't lose to Mizzou or we didn't lose to K-State once while I was at Mizzou. So I have a decent amount of K-State friends or, you know, I know people that went to K-State and it's a, I would say a pretty good rivalry. I know a lot of people that live in K-State, you know, aren't live in K-State, live in Kansas City. It's all KUK State, Mizzou with, the, you know, a few Nebraska, Iowa people sprinkled in there. It was embarrassing. Um, you don't want to go through that again. And I can only imagine what it's like for the players. It's got to be 10 times worse for the players. So you're hoping it's fresh in their minds. Tucker, I'm, I'm going to give you an option here. Do you want me to make your job and your life harder for the next few days and, and make a comment or should I just let it go? Let's do it. Let's go. All right. I also was embarrassed last year as a member of the media. Because there's a lot of cheering in that press box in Manhattan. I just want to throw that out there. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> interesting to note. Um, yeah. Gabe would never. Interesting note. Um, I do appreciate that. There shouldn't be a lack of motivation for the Missouri Tigers in this game. Um, yeah. If there is, something is wrong fundamentally with how this team is uh, structured. This is, tell me if you guys agree with this. This game is the separator between still being able to have a good season, but the ability to have a really good season. You lose this game, I, I don't see a way you can have a really good season. 
No, absolutely not. I mean, you're not winning. I don't. None of us picked us winning nine games at all. Um, I think we were sitting around seven and five, eight and four before. That was before South Dakota. So, if you win this game, you can definitely go eight and four, nine and three, somewhere around that because K State's a good team. So you could. It's possible. You could. And that's like, I would say that's a very good season for Mizzou yeah. right now. The bar for you very good to me is eight. Eight yeah. and above. And if you don't win this game, I don't see how you can get there. No, no definitely not. No. I agree. Um, sorry, I got sidetracked looking at Memphis's schedule to see if like, because all of a sudden now I'm just like, Memphis might be up in the air. That's not, that's not a bad football team. Um, no, I, 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 yeah, I gave you right. 100%. Um, this is this is the barrier between getting to a great season or just having an okay or good season. They could still have a good season and lose to K-State, right? We talked about that in the season preview. We've talked about that really all leading up to this season. Um, I don't know, Gabe, I think you and I both picked this game as a loss at the beginning of the season just because um, of it all. I, I don't know if I feel any differently about that. I mean, you look at the Kansas State, the way they've performed the past couple weeks, they, I think they stuttered out of the gate against Troy. And I thought, hang on, we got something here. Is this going to be Tulane this year? And it wasn't. Um, they took care of business. They they look good. And I don't think that necessarily when I say that I don't feel very confident in Missouri winning this game, it's not necessarily about Missouri. It's about, I think, how good K-State has looked in the couple weeks. Now, Missouri not looking good against Middle Tennessee certainly helps in that assessment. Um but mainly the way I look at it, I think that the Kansas State is just a better built football team. I think K-State has done two bad teams. And I don't think Troy's a bad team. I think no, 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 I don't think so either. K-State has done to lesser competition what a top 25 team should do to lesser competition. And what Missouri has not done to lesser competition. So like comparatively looking at the first two weeks, there's no reason anybody should pick Missouri to win this game. That also does not mean that Missouri can't win this game. Right. Yeah, when we talked about this at before the season started, and, you know, we kind of did a, a position-by-position comparison and kind of talked about, you know, quarterback versus qu- quarterback and offensive line versus offensive line and things like that. It's kind of funny how positions have, you know, kind of changed. Um, obviously, their offensive line is still much better than our offensive line but they've their offensive line is kind of plagued with injuries and it's kind of looking a little bit you know maybe not as good right now i don't know if um they're uh what's his last name is it gaffy christian gaffy is that his last name um there it's their stud offensive lineman i'm not sure if he's going to be back this week i know he had been practicing um they have a similar running back room as we do they have two uh Trayshawn ward uh, and um, oh, DJ Giddens. Uh, they have yeah. so they have a similar room to kind of ours. They get they kind of share their they're pretty even in their in the amount of carries that they get. Will Howard's been playing great. I mean, he's definitely been playing, you know, better than my our con- quarterback. So my concern, if I'm a Missouri fan going into this one, is K State has been playing pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. Now again, they have not faced any great offenses you can 
they will not have faced any great offenses after Saturday either. Um, but, uh, you know, they've, they've given up, what, 13 points in two games. I think they're giving up 2.9 yards of play or something like that, which is uh, – which means that you can run three straight plays. You're going to gain 8.7 yards. You're going to be in fourth and 1.3, and Missouri's going to punt every time in fourth and 1.3. We know that. We've established mm-hmm. that on this podcast. <laughs> so it's uh, like they're going to have to play clearly their best game of the season. I don't know that they have to play perfect to beat K-State, but like it has to be at least like an A minus B plus type game to be. There's no way anything less than that is beating K State because K State's not going to come in here and give it to you. I, I mean, that's not what Chris Kleiman's teams do. They they're they're going to make you earn this win. Mm-hmm. You know, and last year, like I didn't think K State was spectacular last year. They were just it was like watching an old Bill Snyder team. It was like, well, we're just going to kind of cruise until you guys just kill yourselves and Missouri obliged and killed themselves they really are just I, I think I think also what, what it comes down to is you know I do the college football show also here on KC Sports Network with, with Matt Lane which I think we're planning on being in attendance to this game uh, with Kansas State and Missouri we'll both be on attendance Matt's in from North Carolina so we're going to be coming and, and watch this game because it's a, it's a huge game for the area um, when, when you talk about it. But when, when we talk about picking games and we talk about college football and how we feel about matchups, it comes down to like two things, and it's coaching and it's quarterback play. I think a lot of the times you can really separate yourself with those two things. It's clear Kansas State has the edge in both of those. Um, it's not wild for me to say that. I mean, Chris Kleiman, you look at that team, that is a very well-disciplined, well-coached football team. Um, been very impressed with what he's been able to do, but taking that from North Dakota State to a Division One program, uh, to a to an FBS Power Five program, and being able to uh, kind of making that transition so seamless for Kansas State. And I know Missouri fans are probably sick of me talking positive about Kansas State, but I mean that's what Missouri wanted when it with Eli Drinkwitz coming uh, to 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 Missouri, and it hasn't gotten done yet. And and you gave you making a point. It's going to be. Missouri's going to have to play very well. Like they're going to have to be a very good game uh, for Missouri. I think some some things are going to have to bounce their way that haven't bounced their way in the last few games, maybe the last few years. Uh, to bounce their way, um, but it's it's going to have to be a very uh, clean performance from uh, I almost said the Chiefs. It's going to need to be a clean performance for them too, uh, from the Tigers. But I, I can't believe we've gone 45 minutes in this podcast and didn't really mention how kind of Swiss cheese that defensive line was against the conference or that offensive line I should say was against the conference USA defensive line. Um, I, I was not very, I was, I was encouraged after week one, uh, when it came to the Missouri offensive line after week two, not very encouraged. They've got a pretty stout defensive line for Kansas state too. Uh, the trenches might be where this thing is, is one ultimately. Was well, last year. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. you know, uh, but look at Missouri, how long has climbing been at K-State? I don't know. Off the top of my head. It, it, I think five, maybe three. five years. I think he got there right before the year before um, COVID. Okay. But yeah. So this is year five. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Look, this is going to be the 30,000 foot casual Mizzou fan view of this. If you lose this game at home in year four to a guy that won a conference title in year four, what are we doing? I mean that that's like and again I 
I'm not saying he's getting fired Saturday night for losing this game. He's not. He could lose this game and absolutely save his job. But the casual fan view will be, well, there's a program that's passed us by. Um, you know, and, and I mean, it's hard, it's impossible to argue at this point that they have clearly they have. Yeah. Um, but that is certainly discouraging for Missouri fans. And uh, there's a million reasons that man, this, this game could do him a whole lot of good if he can. And and I'll pledge this, like if they win, I don't care. I'm not going to nitpick it. I'm not going to tell you, well, yeah, but this is no, all they got to do is win like yeah. I don't care if it's three to two or ninety seven to ninety six. They gotta find a way to have one more point. That's it. That's all it's gonna come down to. All right, let's wrap up this podcast. Uh let's pick it. Maggie, do you wanna start us off? Sure. Um <laughs> Um, I'm gonna take yeah. Sorry, Mizzou fans. I'm taking case stay in this one. Maggie, you you have a role to play here, and if you're not picking Mizzou, I know, but I I can't. Let's like you said, all we can go all based off of is the last game that we watched. You know, if Mizzou can come out and beat K State, my Memphis picks gonna look a lot different. But I got to go based off of what I saw against Middle Tennessee. What I saw against Middle Tennessee isn't showing me that you know. It just shows me that K-State's going to blitz all night and we're going to give up, you know, more than four sacks, more than seven tackles for a loss. It's going to be bad for Brady Cook. So I'm going to say K-State, 34, Mizzou, 24, or Mizzou, 20. I think it's more than the spread. I, I think that spread is, or the point spread is way too low. I here is uh here's Missouri since September twenty fourth last year. Fourteen points, twenty-two points, seventeen points, seventeen points, twenty-three points, seventeen, twenty-four, fourteen, or no, forty-five, but that doesn't count because it was New Mexico State. Twenty-nine, <laughs> seventeen, thirty-five against South Dakota State or South Dakota and twenty-three. I mean so they topped 24 points three times uh, in now 12 games, 11 games, something like that. Uh, if Missouri's going to win this game, Kansas State can't score 24 points. Uh, I mean, that's that's all there is to it. If Missouri's going to win this game, it has to be super ugly, like 21-20. Um, I've got K-State 27-17. I got Kansas State 34-17. I agree, Gabe. Uh, not not a lot of scoring that's going to be going on on the Missouri Tigers side. If they do score a lot of small points, it's going to be the defensive side of the ball. I'll say that. Wait, long- I, know, I, need, I was going to say, I, before I thought you were going to sign off, I need to say his name was Christian Duffy because I'm going to get yelled at for getting his name wrong. I'm literally going to get yelled at, and I wrote it down too. So. You got it. I think uh, Missouri needs a, a non-offensive touchdown to win this game. Absolutely. Maybe. Maybe a couple. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe a like couple of them. a lot of them. Maybe some maybe, safeties. Maybe some some uh, some some punt return touchdowns. Everything that can go right on special teams. Everything that can go right on defense, and move the ball a little bit on offense. Oh, oh, uh, Harrison Mavis can't miss a kick. 
I'll put that out there as well. Um, that also needs to happen for Missouri to win this game. But um, I, I apologize. This got so somber of a podcast for you guys. Uh, I don't think you you don't blame us. Blame what we saw on the field uh, because that's what you should really be blaming. Don't 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 they bring your energy to us. That's a that's a that's a red herring there. Uh, <laughs> your, your side, your verbal expression before you picked this game was almost the exact same sound Eli Drinkwitz made when I asked him how close he thought his team was to how, what it needed to be. Yeah. It's still Monday. Everyone's still sad. They'll be fine right. tomorrow. Yeah. Still in the morning period. Yeah, <laughs> really, it really is. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Mizzou. That's who here on KC Sports Hour for Gabe DeArbert and Maggie Johnson. I'm Tucker Franco. We will check back with you next week. So until then, we'll talk to you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.